way the world thinks, works, and appears. Yeah. And that's so fascinating to me. Yeah, and we might Anyway, get- do you want to talk about dumber shit than this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is We Have Concerns. <laughs> Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Anthony. Jeff. There's some bad stuff happening in the world today. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Fucking prove it, my dude, because I ain't seen any of it. There's some stuff going on, some some alarming things. No, Uh, One might consider them to be national disasters, uh, global disasters, catastrophes even. Okay. And I want to point you to uh, an article that was sent to us. It was posted on our Facebook group by the one, the only... Casino Royale herself, Amy Lefebvre. Oh, Amy Lefebvre. We got to ta- talk a little bit about Amy Lefebvre, not just about this story. Well, you know why I know her nickname is Casino Royale? Well, because I come up with incredible nicknames. Well, yes, but then we would, of course, never remember them. But the one, sure. the only Casino Royale herself, Amy Lefebvre, she did the hard work, did the work we are too lazy to do. She compiled everyone that has ever been given an Anthony Carboni TM nickname. Wow. Compiled wow. A, a, a full-on spreadsheet, na- real name, nickname, even quotes uh, of, of the episode that we actually gave the nickname. It's incredible. It's incredible. I... I read this, I read this, we'll put a link in the description, but I went through this spreadsheet and uh, I thought it was really hilarious where like Brian Towns, we had the same conversation about Brian Towns twice. Like, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Whether it was, whether it was like, because it was once when we came up with it and then we tried to remember it and then, because uh, you came up with it, it's Brian the City Towns <laughs> and then I was like, that makes sense. The only thing that was popping into my head was like an obscure reference to a Japanese console, the FM Towns. <laughs> and then we had that same conversation when we came back and Brian Towns submitted something. Why does anyone listen to this show? That's my question. Why would you document our stupidity is my question. <laughs> why yeah. would you make us, we're infallible if you don't document it. That's why, that's why we try not to document anything these days. Well. Um, but thank you to Amy Lefebvre. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Thank you, Amy. Casino but, Royale herself. But Lefebvre sounds like Le Chiffre, which is the bad guy in Casino Royale. Yeah. I, I remember why we did it. Yeah. I remember why we did it. Well, so it's good. All of my nicknames are good. Oh, they are and all if you send in good? if you send in enough stories <laughs> that get used on the show, you will get a very good nickname that we will definitely remember because now somebody is recording. I think that you forgot the question mark at the end of good. My nicknames are uh, good. Everything everything I say that is an uh, that is an empirical statement, you should infer a question mark. <laughs> right. Uncertainty is always implied when it comes to me. <laughs> well, Casino Royale came through again. She submitted this story that uh, I find very interesting. This is an, uh, a story from uh, BBC uh, all about the science of catastrophes and the people who study them, people who devote their entire professional and careers. And mysteriously die. <laughs> you never know what happens to them. They go too Listen, deep, th- too, dar- here's too, something too far down the rabbit hole. I have watched enough movies. Listen, uh, things like things like your twisters, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. they study catastrophes, right? And that's very dangerous. Cows are flying everywhere. They have to throw a ton. They have to throw a tower into a tube. No, no, of, no. Of, Anthony, stand in the center. All you got to do is stand in the center, hug each other real tight and you'll yeah. be okay. Here's the thing. It's not if you stand in the center and hug anybody. You have to specifically hug Helen Hunt. Oh, that's harder. That's if much If you're more not difficult. hugging Helen Hunt. Uh, but no, all of these things. Uh, Tommy you know Lee that, Jones. That makes me mad perfectly about normal you. Volcano, perfectly normal volcano cop. <laughs> Stu, you know? Perfectly normal in, volcano cop was the alternate it, title of that movie. Yeah, and he's, he's investigating volcanoes all the time. He's on the normal volcano beat. <laughs> All of a sudden, Anne Heche says, there's one volcano that's too too much for even you to tame. He says, what? What? An abnormal volcano? <laughs> that seems what a perfectly normal volcano cop. That, that seems like his perfect nemesis is the abnormal volcano. <laughs> well, you have your regular homicide detectives and then you have like your uh, your special crimes your SVUs, SVUs and things yeah, like that yeah, you know right. this is the where SVU like, of, of volcanoes where the V in this you know, situation your mind hunters Jeff <laughs> yeah. the V in Ta- the, you know, this one is volcano you, yeah you gotta get into the mind of the volcano Jeff and the, not a normal everyday volcano cop can do that but then you need a special volcano cop but you can't get the too system. close you can't get too close to the volcano because you might start relating to the volcano and then one day realize you're in love with the volcano well, and also you'll burn to death. You'll burn to death and melt. Hey, I saw I saw Flora's lava. I know how that works. <laughs> I know exactly. Do you know how that the showrunner of that show's name is Anthony Carboni? No way, really? Is yeah, it you? the showrunner's name. It, well, I've gotten some tweets. <laughs> uh, Dude, and the answer is no. Would I did not a- create Flora's lava. Uh, I wish I created Flora's lava. Had so- if you had ghost showrun Flora's lava, and now is when you're revealing to me that that's what you've been working on. If I was just like, oh yeah, no, Jeff, yeah, that's what I was doing my when show? we were on break. You're I was talking doing- about you're talking about my show, Jeff. My show. You're talking about my show, Flora's lava. <laughs> That that's the, the way i should have done it i should have done it that way and had you look it up you're on like, imdb uh, yeah that would have been amazing if you'd have been <laughs> you just played it and you're like and i would think you're doing a bit and then you're like no no check it out i would have my mind would have been fucking blown <laughs> oh what a missed opportunity oh, i love i love that somehow within the within the span of this of this quarantine i've gone from unemployed i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm delivering uh amazon boxes to oh yeah i'm the co-creator of the floors lava <laughs> i could i could, i would have bought that suit if i had to go on imdb and see your name i would have been like it makes so much sense of course Baby, of course it's a anthony, rags to riches story of course anthony thought up this dumb fucking show I took my love for the childhood game Floor is Lava and also my love for the 80s Japanese game show Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> and also your love and for I, watching people burn alive. <laughs> and also my love for watching people burn and watching people watching people just experience pain. And I put it into the ultimate show, The Floor is Lava, uh, here on Netflix. Only on Netflix. Bong bong. Also, I'm the producer of The Flower Fight. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, this story anyway, sent in by Casino Royale. This story Royale. is about the floor is lava. This story is about folks who uh, who try to think about catastrophes. What will happen? Map it out. Model it. Figure out ways that we can handle things that we have literally never handled before. 
these are the brilliant think tankers. These are the people that in the in the Godz- in the Godzilla movies are like, well, we've 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 looked at this exact situation a hundred different ways, and this is the only way it comes. This is the only way it happens. Like, yeah. there's a, these are your Doctor Stranges. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's only one outcome where we beat Thanos, and uh, we mm-hmm. we figured it out. I have to. We s- you send Godzilla after him. <laughs> to send Godzilla after him. Uh, there's a, a few different companies that this article focuses on. Um, the first is a company that what that was called when California, one of California's oil refineries, had a major error, ma- major problem creep up, and it compromised production at the oil refinery. And the oil refinery, as they were attempting to deal with this issue, turned to this company and said, "Okay." We're working on this issue right now, but what if while we were working on this, something even more horrible happened? So they're in the middle of a crisis. They're in the middle of a problem and they go, let's consult with this company to go. What if tomorrow our crisis? What if Mothra shows up and and Godzilla is on Godzilla? He's already fighting Thanos. Mm -hmm. He's busy. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, you send you send Ghidra after him. Well, do you have Ghidra's number? Do you even have Ghidra's number? No, and honestly, Ghidra is gonna um, that can backfire just as often as it can. What you need is Gamera. Yeah, Gamera is always good. Uh, so what happened? What is, there's so they're working on one problem. I don't know what yes. the, what was the initial problem. The initial problem is that the uh, oil refinery had uh, compromised production so they're not producing as enough oil to meet demand in california right so okay. prices are going up things are getting scary it's just a, a, an incident that is not crippling is not destroying the economy but it is a crisis it is stressing the system and in those moments of stressing the system they want to know what if we have another incident where we go over the line into full-on breakdown what do we what happens do they did they solve this by starting the COVID nineteen? So what they did was they developed a disease. No, <laughs> and no. they put it in the five G towers and spread it through bats. Yeah, I will not be silenced on my own show. I will not be silenced. I know exactly how this happened. Mm. I saw it on the Quinon. <laughs> All this and more you can learn on Anthony's new show, Flora's Lava. Flora. <laughs> 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 the uh, question mark is implied. So they were worried about this. They were worried about a potential shortage of oil in the California area and repercussions throughout the energy grid. Right. So if you right. have if you have one one avenue of energy completely fail, what stresses? What does it put on? How do we model out all the ramifications that ha- happen as a result of this? And these guys walk in, I imagine, in sunglasses, and the camera's pointed slightly, it's tilted slightly up at them, and they walk in and they pull off their sunglasses and they go, gentlemen, let's get to work. Yeah. But then, so my question to you, Anthony, is once the glasses are off, once gentlemen are getting to work, Mm -hmm. how do they do this? How do you think this job is accomplished? What is the first step to model something that's never happened before? The first step to modeling something that's never happened before is to brainstorm, find, and list all the potential variables that could be affected 
buy this thing, right? So we're going to run out of oil. What does that mean? We know that that means that X, Y, and Z will power plants or X, Y, and Z filling stations. We know that stuff. But what else? Okay, well, that means we're going to be using these power stations instead. So what do they run off of? And how much of that is there? And you have to model out this entire thing as a whole. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is you have to try to figure out, you have to go as far as you can as a human being in imagining the implications of this so you can sort of start codifying the whole thing, right? That's pretty accurate. Yeah, they actually start with as close as this has happened before as possible. They they find the thing, they go, okay, what if this thing that's never happened happens? Mm. They start from a kernel of what's the closest thing we can find that did happen, right? Right. So there was a complete refinery explosion in Texas in 2005. This company starts there and goes, okay, what happened when this refinery completely crippled the infrastructure in Texas what, how did that affect all of the other things around it? How did that affect the things that we wouldn't well, have been able to predict? Like, of course, it's going to affect oil production, fuel prices, those kinds of things. But what other sec- sections of the economy, other sections of the energy grid does that have ripple effects to? Based on Looney Tunes cartoons that I've seen about Texas, you just go out with... um with like a big with like a stick or like a post hole digger mm-hmm. or just a or small hand shovel and you dig down and you open it up and boom a giant oil like just it just starts pewing out of the the thing yeah. out of the ground that's what texas you ring out texas i've saw it in a looney tune you ring yeah. out texas like a rag and all the oil comes out exactly so they were probably fine but then your biggest problem there is wascowy wabbits sure because you tell you tell them to take a right at Albuquerque. Ah, so smart. So this smart. is why you should and have they this wind job. up in the ocean and they drown. <laughs> so basically what they realize is that what wasn't intuitive, what they had to surmise from looking at examples is that a refinery explosion in Texas has ramifications in neighboring States and those States are then stressed. And that, keeps expanding outward so the bigger the problem the more the the this is from a single refinery yes that's how that's how dependent and interdependent the entire system is Ooh, oh i hate that yeah i hate that i know that's not the point of this story but i hate that it was so scary right do, yeah they, but we, I mean, we've seen that we've seen that with with covid right now right where One tiny, I mean, it's not a tiny thing. Everybody not going to work and not leaving their house is not a tiny thing. But Mm -hmm. you definitely see how interconnected all of the cards are in our house of cards, right? How, you know, you don't think, oh, we have a global pandemic. People who, you know, cut hair for a living are going to be completely unemployed for months at a time. It's, It's those unintuitive things that when you sit down and try to model it out, you start realizing, oh my gosh, how many layers are going to be affected in during one crisis, right? You don't realize, oh, uh, just this week I saw, you know, Stanford canceled 11 sports, 11 sports that you used to be able to go to Stanford and play sports, name 11 (laughs) sports. Well, there's, um, name 11 sports. Uh, I know you know football because you like football. I like football. And then, of course, there's um, 
Is video games a sport? Mario Kart? <laughs> no, is, they literally canceled 11 sports at Stanford. That's like reasons kids would get scholarships, things that would be revenue for the for the Oh, it's big money for colleges. It's wild. You don't think, oh my gosh, we have a global pandemic. May, the third richest college in the country is going to cancel 11 sports and affect over 200 coaches, players. Yeah. It's like, anyway. Well, our entire financial system, too. It's one of those things where it's like, uh, this is a giant multi-billion dollar corporation, but it turns out even though small businesses are supposed to keep a certain amount of money in the bank, a giant multinational corporation, if they don't make money for a month, whoops, no more giant multinational corporation. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. ooh, that's a problem with system. It, so yeah, we're seeing how all of these things are like too, too fragile and too interconnected. Yeah. So they looked all this stuff up about this one refinery going down. Well, the, I think the silver lining from this story, which is pretty interesting to me, is that every time something horrible happens, the data set for how to deal with horrible stuff gets filled in. And of course, that's obvious, right? You go, oh, yeah, well, we learn from horrible things happening. But it's it's fascinating the extent to which we can gain information. There's a whole section of this article about how FEMA completely changed how they model out disasters after Hurricane Katrina mm -hmm. had such a Cause, devastating cause, effect. Because they fucked that one up. Well, they did. Because they straight fucked it up. Sure, but what they never had accounted for in their modeling is how positioning and uh, the, you know, the, the tidal walls, then levees that failed, mm -hmm. how all of that, how these, these defensible locations... There's are, literally a Led Zeppelin song about it, FEMA. Get fucking, get on the ball. That's the problem is no one cool worked at FEMA. At, at FEMA. <laughs> at no FEMA? cool dads worked at FEMA. <laughs> yeah. Only yeah. like lame dads. <laughs> Only lame dads. They were like, everything they were based off of ABBA songs. And, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> was, so, uh, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So FEMA took everything they learned about these levee walls and, these, and this other stuff. And they were like, oh. Now we know so much more about how this all impacts everything. Well, we know how, we know we've changed our planning because we know how to reposition evacuation zones based on the size and strength of water pumps. Like all of this new information is is incorporated into the modeling and the modeling can more accurately predict larger and larger events, which is great. It's pretty fascinating how how even like evacuation and transportation modeling has to account for all kinds of variables that you wouldn't think are um, important. You know, it, yeah. There's a there's a a bunch of information. So, go ahead. So, um, in this particular case, though the the case study from the article, they they looked at this oil refinery that that had the mishap in 2005, and then what do they do from there? Like, how did they how did they solve from there? Well. They, they started, I mean, they, they took that, um, that refinery information, which is mm -hmm. a, a small scale compared to the level of crisis that they're trying to model and, mm -hmm. and extrapolated out, well, okay, if it had this level of impact in the neighboring states, here's how all of that would be amplified based on size and scale of our hypothetical right. event. Right. Oh my so, gosh! If that was one refinery, and then we're talking about all of California running out of oil, 
that's wild it's wild okay so then the next level down is okay this is the system problem this is the the structural problem that they're trying to model the next layer down is the people human beings how do we model behavior based on human beings and what can we learn through what's happening now with covid what can we learn from all these sort of disparate disaster events that that happen around the country as to how people react and what we we can do to save lives to create contingency plans for when the shit hits the fan and you do that by starting a game of the sims and you remove all oil from the neighborhood and then you pull and then you put them in the pool and you pull all of the ladders oh man that is basically katrina in a nutshell (laughs) how they modeled it that's an actual screenshot of fema modeling what's going to happen during katrina and they're like i don't know we put all these sims in the pool and we pulled out the ladders and it's bad eventually the grim reaper comes on a skateboard and it is not okay (laughs) it is not okay we really should have played more sims before this (laughs) um so there's this company in the uk called movement strategies and it the entire purpose of this company is to model how to get people out of places when the place is fucked, right? How to evacuate hey, human movement beings. strategies? Call me. <laughs> Why, you got hit a plan? Me up, move, hit me up, movement strategy. No, I, I have a place I need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're Give really me some that, tips. Hey, movement strategies, if you're really that good, why don't you fucking get me out of here? <laughs> you got a pamphlet? I need a pamphlet. Um, yeah. So... Structural stuff and systems and in the interoperability and how things move in between states and how all of these all of these things are interconnected is one layer. But then people are much more unpredictable, right? The the behavior of people is much more unpredictable, which is why movement strategies has been uh, studying large scale events and trying to model how people behave. And this is where this gets, I think, really fascinating for me, because in attempting to come up with strategies to evacuate people safely and not cause panic, they've learned that this is, I think, kind of counterintuitive. People don't panic. That panic is a very difficult state to get people into. They said that their, their, all of their research reveals that while everybody assumes that in a crisis, large groups of people go apeshit, That's not actually the case. It takes a really significant thing to cause panic among a large group of people. I mean, this is something we've seen. This is something we've seen this year. Right. Like, in fact, the opposite is the opposite is the problem is that not enough people are panicking right now. We sat in California. It was we sat in our homes and like there was some there was some nervousness and certainly there was some anxiety, but like there weren't people running around. There were people that were screaming about how people were going to be rioting and looting the streets. Right. Like there were people who were who were definitely panicking about that, but nobody was panicking about the real thing. And the rioting and the looting that came from panic turned out to be totally off base yes people mostly sat quietly and were like i hope there's a lot of new stuff on netflix and you know what there was 
there was. Netflix came through. Floors Lava, for the example, from Anthony lava. Carboni. Streaming now. <laughs> Anthony Carboni saved us all. Not this Anthony Carboni. No, no, no. Oh, God, no. Never me. <laughs> never me. I'm eating, I'm eating spam fried rice during a podcast as I'm recording it. I'm but, not going to save anyone. But a Anthony Carboni. One Anthony Carboni. <laughs> Listen, I've often said all it takes in a, in a crisis is one Anthony Carboni. <laughs> that is what movement strategies has come to as well. That is their pamphlet in a nutshell. Is get yourself one cubic Anthony Carboni. Get yourself one Anthony Carboni. Not, and then a little asterisk, like not any Anthony Carboni, but <laughs> yeah. there's one out there for any situation. <laughs> So in modeling how crowds evacuate from places, they've come to some very interesting conclusions. One of which is men and women generally, these are obviously broad generalizations, but men and women behave very differently when trying to be evacuated from places. They move in crowds in very different ways. For example, men walking in a large crowd, and this is, this is, They've observed this based on looking at specific events that tend to draw male crowd, like um, there's certain sports that have a very predominantly male audience, live mm-hmm. audience, and then there are other things that have a very predominantly female audience. Taylor Swift concert, obviously mm-hmm. broad generalizations. We're not saying that this is, you know, 100%, no. but... This is this is what their research has. I was just going to say, guess, catch me. Guess which one you're going to catch me at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they looked at a, a, a football, football uh, soccer mm-hmm. event in the UK, and it, it turns out that men tend to not want to touch each other when they're leaving a place. They don't want to bump elbow or uh, shoulders or elbows. They don't want to brush up next to each other. Generally speaking, they're farther apart. They have gaps between them, whereas women can interlink arms or, you know, be much closer to one another, touching shoulders, bumping into one Mm. another and are much more comfortable with that. No, dude, if a dude touches me, I'll kiss him. I mean, punch him. Yeah, same, same. It's one of the saddest things about quarantine right now is I'm getting a lot less kisses. I mean, punches. Yeah, I'm saying. This is actually, we're doing a joke, but this is actually the thing that's, that's the problem. It really is. It really is. Dudes are just like, is this guy going to kiss me or punch me? Cause I don't want either. (laughs) Neither, neither, my dude. Neither. Neither. Uh, So so the, the, the fascinating thing for me is that in the science of evacuation and Mm -hmm. crowd control and keeping people safe in a crisis, there is this sweet spot between getting people out through too few exits and getting people out through too many exits. If you have too few exits, you can't get out safely. Obviously, you're cramped. Everybody's stampeding. You're crushed, right? Too many exits is also a problem. Too many exits, they have this thing called free flow, which means that people just can move about and wildly. They're not... They're not guided to a location. There's you can't no... funnel them somewhere safe. Exactly, exactly. And that causes its own level of congestion because people have no idea where to go. They can go right. so many places, they don't you know where to the, go. You get out of the building and then everybody's pushing up against each other out of the building, trying to figure out where to go next. I get that, yeah. So they're tr- th- this science is attempting to get to that place where there's just the 
the Goldilocks amount of exits from a place that everyone can leave in an orderly fashion and they don't feel this sense of panic. And that number of exits is three. It doesn't matter what size the building is, nope. how many people are in it. They found out mathematically. It's, it's always three. three. It's always three. And you always pick the center exit because everybody's mm -hmm. going to the sides. So always yeah. go for the center exit. That's what they say. One of the exits always tells the truth and the other one <laughs> of the exits lies. And then the third one is just hanging. <laughs> <laughs> so go to the third one i think this is fascinating stuff i mean it's a you it's must a, go up no you must go down i, I don't fucking i don't fucking <laughs> i just i genuinely don't care whether you come or go that's that, the door that's the anthony carboni exit is what, what we call it <laughs> <laughs> i think this is a fascinating field of study right because we are experiencing this unprecedented level of disruption in our lives and there's some yeah. people that sit around all day and have done for years at a time going what would happen if there was a giant global pandemic and there's a few of them that have been outspoken and you know i've said hey i've been thinking about this whole my whole life and here's what we should do and unfortunately we've been ignoring those people by and large in this country well uh, i think the issue is twofold here the the first is the bummer about having this job must be that you never know until it actually like you model it and model it and model it, but then it happens and you're like, oh, we didn't listen to Led Zeppelin, and yeah. now, now New Orleans is underwater. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. you do the best you can with the information you have, but you never know. And then you have to, you must have to be an incredibly positive person to have this sort of or at least practically minded person to have this sort of gig because you're waiting for something to fail. And then when that thing fails, you are just trying to take a little bit more data from the disaster and you have to look at yeah. it and go, well, I didn't do that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like when you, <laughs> yeah. it's like when you, it's like losing a game of civilization for real. Oh God, <laughs> you don't have intense. a save point. You don't have a save point. You're like, I should have yeah. invested more into uh, into ships and navigation, and I didn't. And yeah. now everyone's dead, and there's no there's no reset. But I guess I've learned. How come we didn't take the we didn't go for the science victory? I feel Why like we, we really should have gone for the victory. We're going but for the military think, victory, and it's just the wrong course. I mean, look, we've all seen the YouTube video. Gandhi wins through military victory, but like, <laughs> but this is the opposite side of it. Is um. As as a layperson, and this is something we've been we've been talking about over the last few weeks. As a layperson, if your if your research is entirely theoretical, why do I listen to you? Right. And how right. do I believe you? And how do I know you may have you may have the largest firm in the United Kingdom for uh, disaster modeling, but what yeah. the fuck does that mean? That's why uh, ultimately all these folks then cause national disasters. And uh, they're the, the end, two supervillains. You know, they're, they're the supervillains, but they do it. They do it for the greater good, right? Because then everybody will finally listen to them. And they've I modeled was right, it. I was right. They, they'll say, "Yeah, they've modeled it, and fifty thousand people die now." But according to their model, a million people live later. Ooh, yeah. how do you live with that? You know, this is to me. This is the foundation, right? Did you ever read the foundation novels? Yeah, I love those. You books. love foundation. It's like my, did that was do, my jam. Did, did that series come out yet? No, I think it's coming. I think the trailer came out. 
but okay. I don't think the series is out yet. I hope they do it justice, man. My one of my first loves uh, as a young kid in science fiction was Isaac Asimov's Foundation books, and that the whole idea behind those books is that if you, with enough data you can predict the future on a large scale, mm-hmm. and I've, I've always found that fascinating. That idea of take. I mean, we're at that point in human history, right, where we have more data than sense, <laughs> yep. you know, and I, I'm hoping that all of this data allows us to apply it and really learn from it. And it feels so strange to have the opposite seem to be bearing out, right, is that we have all this data and it's making us stupider and it's making us reject science or at least yeah. a large part of our population do that. I don't get it. It's yeah, it's tricky. It's 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 the abstraction thing, you know, it's that, um, it's the flat earther thing where it's like, look, there's so much data coming from so many sources and they're sources that I normally distrust, right? We distrust the government. We distrust, you know, we distrust this stuff because it's, we can't see it and we don't know that it's happening and we don't know what they're doing up there in their fucking tower. And like, how do we know? And, uh, how do we trust them? If we can't trust them, with the decisions they made this week, how can we trust them that the world is round, right? Like, that's yeah, what we... Right. And it Well, and it's a huge thing, but, like, when you look at the Flat Earthers, when you look at, like, their page about themselves, it's, it's about um, returning to data that you can see and sense and experience for yourself, right? Which we know is not enough data, but with all this data being collected in all these different sources, that's the only data we can trust, Right. Yeah. I know what I see with my eyes and with my eyes, I don't see the curve. Right. And so I'm right. just going to trust that because everybody's been lying to me my whole life. Um, yeah. I think our big problem right now with be- beyond getting past that is we're collecting more data than ever. And we don't yet have the systems that are uh, capable, intelligent, um, nimble, agile enough to know what to do with all the data. Right. Like yes. we've got it. We have to now come up with the systems that are going to predict. And it's like, it's too much data and we don't know what to do. It's like, well, not only it's that, just- but when we, when we are able to predict our own behavior, it, it is so, I think we, we haven't reckoned with this idea that we are predictable as human beings. We have this sense that we are making decisions moment to moment. And we are doing that from a place of, intelligence and unpredictability and when you can craft a message because the data tells you exactly what verbs to use in what ways it's kind of what we were talking about last week with the the attribute framing when we Mm -hmm. can when we can craft a message that can manipulate people so effectively that they don't realize they're being manipulated but they still believe they're making their own autonomous choices but it's all based on wide swaths of data that we're now able to to reap from the from the public. Yeah. I don't think we've reckoned with that. I don't think we we as a as a species have come to terms with the fact that our brains can be so easily swayed. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be so manipulated into thinking the earth is flat. And all of that, I think, is a result of of the amount of data we're collecting on ourselves. We still can't get to a point in humanity where we can, where we don't think to ourselves, 
not consciously, but subconsciously on a deep core level, just about everybody still thinks to themselves, everyone's going to die. Except me. Yeah. We still can't get past that. Right. That's how exceptional we think we are as individuals. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why we're so, that's why we're so resistant, right? Is it's just like on a very fundamental level, we're like, no, 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 not me. You're all sheep. I'm you're not. all sheep i'm gonna be rich <laughs> i'm gonna be famous i'm gonna live yeah. forever i'm gonna do you know what i mean like yeah yeah it's fine i'm gonna buck the system i'm gonna buck the data and you kind of have to believe that because sometimes the data is very uh very depressing bleak. yeah yeah the data is a little bleak but it's if we reconciled with things like that more and and worked within it and worked to actually change the data i think it, things would be better for all of us overall it's the fact that we're all holding on to the idea that we're going to be billionaires one day that we have fucking billionaires fucking everything up yeah yeah it's okay i'm gonna let it go because one day i'll be rich fuck you no you you won't (laughs) right exactly (laughs) you won't do you think that uh staring into the void like this this job of being a uh a scientist who tries to predict the worst stuff all the time do you think we should put more effort into that do you think it's a job that you could do even i think it either makes you the most fun or the least fun at parties (laughs) That's the first thing that popped into my head is these people are either bleak as all get out all the time, or they're like the, they're like the joyous Buddhist monk that like knows every day he's going to die and is just fucking having a time. It's just like, (laughs) just like walking into a party and it's just like, Hey, that's a load bearing structural cross beam. It looks to be like it's from 1947, 38% of those give out. Looks like they haven't uh, replaced it or reinforced it. Yeah. 40% chance we're all going to die. Let's do <laughs> shots. <Yeah. laughs> hey, Wayne, do you want some water? Water? You know how easy it is to poison the water supply? Let's do it. Woo! Let's do- Woo! You mean water? No, I don't mean water. It's like you're not listening to me. I mean more shots. It's harder to get alcohol poisoning than it is to poison the water supply. I don't mean to be bleak. I mean to get you to do a shot. <laughs> I don't know if I could do this gig. I don't know if I could do this gig. Uh, You're right that even in success, it's got to be super depressing. Like, even if you were right and, (laughs) you know, fewer people died because uh, of the thing you did. But it's like being on a great sports team or being a great coach and losing and seeing exactly why you lost and, and tinkering. And I guess you have to look at it from that perspective, right? It's like. Hey, maybe if we didn't do our research, things would have been worse. And next time we can make it a little better. But it's, it, it's certainly through this COVID era we're living in. You recognize that, man, I really wish more people had been thinking about this because clearly a lot of people were right. We hear from these experts all the time. They're like, hey, I wrote a book six years ago that predicted this exact thing. And hey, I've been saying for a decade that, boy, it sure would be easy if there was we a we had a team on the United yeah. States government yeah, that but was dedicated to just this thing. We don't need that. Thing. You know who you know who put that in place though? Obama. And everything uh, he does bad. Like Let's get rid of that. Guy's birth certificate. Let's get rid uh, of it. Yeah, I think more data can only be better for us and I think accepting data can only be better for us. But I'll tell you what, Jeff, I found one thing that I bet these smarty pants did not think about us reckoning with in the next 20 years. And I'm going to tell everybody about it right after I stop the flow of this episode to <laughs> beg for money. You still need money? I thought you were getting all that floor is lava cash. 
listen, you don't know anything about how Hollywood works. You're just an actor who's been on television multiple times. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to tell you how Hollywood works. Baby, once the network and the production company, they're all nickel and diamond me. Uh, Let me tell you something. The floor is lava. It's more like my fucking checkbook is lava when these people come calling. <laughs> oh, good zing, man. Oh, I'll tell you. Uh, but I am not the man who created the floor is lava, so I do not have that man's money. Um, what we are doing is we are collecting for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash we have concerns. You may notice we don't do any advertising. We don't do any uh, any weird product placement. We've never tried to sell you weird vitamins. We don't- I would. <laughs> I literally I had a call this morning about the weird vitamins I'm going to be selling on my show. So don't do that. Don't, don't put me in that. I literally had a call this morning with the advertiser. Do I have to cut? I'll cut this. I'll cut it. No, it's okay. It's fine. All it's right. fine. I don't care. I don't care. The weird fucking vitamins. Oh my God. Listen, we don't want to sell you. We don't want to sell you mattresses or boxes of food or fucking any of that stuff. Everything Listen, that pays Jeff's rent on his other shows. Do we none of that have here. to do that sometimes? Sure. Sure. Was I in an eBay advertisement last year? You bet I was. Do we want to do that? No, not necessarily. No. No. But you know, no. we listen. That's why we have this Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash we have concerns. You give us uh, a buck or more a month and you get all kinds of extra stuff. Yeah, so many extra stuffs. In fact, we just had a, a, a guest. We had Tom Merritt on to get an extra bonus episode with Tom talking about stuff that, that he wanted to talk about. We're going to have another guest coming up. We got a, another guest lined up. Can't, I can't reveal who it is, but it's going to be great. You're going to love it. More bonus stuff that way. You get those conversations. You hear us starting the show with this uh, weird conversation that you only hear the, the little snippet of. We had a whole conversation. You can hear that if you are our patron. That's right. We will let you sit with us, but you have to give us money. It's just, <laughs> this is lunch. This is lunchroom rules. Find out more at <laughs> patreon.com slash we have concerns. I'll tell you what these people didn't think about, Jeff. What didn't they think about, Anthony? They didn't think about bears. Bears. That's right. We got to worry about bears now? Jeff, there's a lot of things we got to worry about in the world but seriously we gotta start fucking worrying about bears oh man i'm gonna have to reorganize my list of worries are the bears is it are the bears coming back because the people are staying home is that what's what's happening bears are coming back because of a long long campaign and legislation to protect uh different species and species not even that are that are endangered species but protected species things that like Oh, You're saying whoops, we, shouldn't have been, acci- we shouldn't have been protecting the species? No. It was a mistake all along? It was a mistake all along. But things like coyotes and wolves, coyotes, oh, yeah. come, coyotes and wolves come down from the parks here in LA. You can't I, kill a coyote. So, there's a, there was one in my neighborhood. My wife was walking our son around the block and they saw a coyote. Yeah. And I was like, just give the coyote our son. That's what it yeah. wants. That's all it wants. Save yourself. The sun is wants smaller. To eat our son. It's more defenseless. Yeah, you can have another you son just, in nine months. If you just throw our son at the coyote, you'll get away. It's you know, and like it's a roll of the dice whether that son, whether the new son will be better or worse, but it'll be a son. You are literally a son making machine. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole thing. We you can make another kid. We can, you could get together and make another kid in nine months. It's less than a year. 
and you've got another son and you don't have to die by coyote. But no, things in LA, like coyotes and wolves are around all the time. And we all know, hey, don't, you're not supposed to fuck with them. But people fuck right. with them. But you're not what supposed to. I mean, do? like if coyote, coyote, sometimes if coyotes or wolves comes into people's yards, they'll shoot them. They'll fuck oh. them up. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing with like deer in uh, residential zones, things like this. Uh, animals, we are encroaching more and more into the space of animals. And what this article is saying is that we are going to have to get better at cohabitating with predators. We have to get. We <gasps> have invite to invite a bear okay. into your home. Invite Listen, a bear into your home. The, the the invite a bear into your home program that we're championing now. Build a I bear think, more like buddy a bear workshop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Build a relationship with a bear is what that's it is. what we're trying to do. <laughs> don't don't stuff don't stuff them with actual stuffing. Stuff them with kindness and home cooking. Yeah, home cooking. Nothing nothing a bear loves more than your home cooking. <laughs> so this is a this is a study that was done by clayton lamb a postdoctoral fellow at the university of british columbia and uh also the university of montana and the thing is we have these large-scale federally funded predator con predator control programs um and because of it grizzly bears are expanding we have more grizzly bears than than ever in Yellowstone, on the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem, in Southwest Alberta, Canada. The bears are back, baby. The bears are back, and they want the picnic bears, baskets. They want our picnic baskets. But here's the thing. The bears are more populous than ever before, but young bears are dying faster than ever before. Well, it's because those they're rock and roll lifestyle, man. They live Run, fast. Young bear... Goes gets falls in with the wrong crowd, you know. You don't know where that picnic basket came from. <laughs> oh, they the problem is their picnic baskets are for their parents' generation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Young they bears want, today, they want bang energy drink and blow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they want. That's that's all they care about. Young I actually bears. I saw that on Cartoon Network, the Yogi Bear reboot, where he's just all about the bang energy and blow. <laughs> It's fucking yeah. wild. It's it dark. seems a little too edgy. Like I understand, like in this, you know, in this post James Gunn Scooby Doo sort of world, like you want to do like a like a little bit of an edgy take, but yeah. like, but like, and I and you know the whole BoJack Horseman thing, like oh I get sure, it. yeah, I get it. But like, I love the new art style. I love the the new, the new art style is great though. It's, it's that, unbelievable. The, the, the thick the, lines and the yeah, but the part where like Yogi literally slaps Boo Boo in the face. Like, yeah. just slaps him and tells him to shut up. And I was like, whoa, this is too much. It's a, it's a little over the line for a, you know, a, a, a young kid cartoon, I would think. Yeah. And yet, it's on Saturday mornings at 1030 a.m. And they got a game coming to the Switch. So you tell me what's going on. Um, so here's what's up. 2,669 uh, 2, grizzly bears in British Columbia. Data was analyzed between 1979 and 2001 or 2010 and they found that it takes 14 years for a bear to truly learn how to coexist with humans okay that's a long time for a bear to be in your house that's a long time out. yeah but you know, you know this is you keep your distance you be respectful it's like any other roommate 14 years it takes 14 years but for every bear that makes it to that age there are 29 bears that died Ah, uh, that's a lot of bears to be dead in your house. That's a lot of bears to be dead in your house. And that's why 
you avoid them. <laughs> you be cool. It's just like any other roommate. You respect yeah. their space. You, you step over the bodies and you, you step keep going. <laughs> you keep trying. 14 years of that. Um, and the thing is, they find that like it is because uh, bears are getting smarter about living with humans. Humans are not getting smarter about living with bears. Well, that tracks. Okay. <laughs> tracks. The bears fact are that, figuring it out, and, and humans are still like, I can get a selfie with the bear. Think about this. If a bear can survive for 14 years, it can learn how to safely live with humans. Yeah. A human could have bears around for 14 years <laughs> and still be like, we got to fucking kill all these bears. <laughs> God, we're dumb. Bears is danger. Yeah. Um, so here's the deal. young bears face 7.5 times higher mortality rates in human dominated areas than in wilderness areas. And this is one of the huge problems. We think about conservation. We think about things like national parks. We got to stop these poachers and these hunters from hunting animals. They can't they're not supposed to hunt in national parks. But what we're talking about is the fact that you can't explain to a bear what a national park is. Mm, you can't tell yeah. a bear where the boundary is, where the bear is safe. The bear is supposed to be safe everywhere, the same way you're supposed to be safe everywhere. And the bear probably wants to fuck with you even less than you want to fuck with a bear. But people don't get that. It is a, um, it is a matter of developing a social tolerance for predators. It is a willingness to see land as both your home and the home of your natural predators. That's interesting. So that's the key. So. Over 14 years, a bear can learn, hey, there's no threat here. We are both predators. Maybe sometimes the human wanted to kill me, but I'm going to be cool, and it'll be cool. I'm going to put on a little tie years. and a hat, but no shirt. Yeah. Maybe I'll befriend the park ranger, mm -hmm. we'll have adventures, you know? Yeah, okay, once or twice, I'll steal his picnic basket. And once he'll be pretty twice. fumed about that. He'll sure. be fumed. But... We'll, we'll still get along. You know, there'll yeah. be no death in this relationship. We know relationship. what the boundaries are. We know what they are. Meanwhile, um, the park ranger is like, it's been 14 years and I'm finally going to murder this bear. I'm going to murder this bear. <laughs> uh, the thing is, yeah, every year that a bear gets older, it's chances of survival increase by like 3.5%. And that has nothing to do with anything humans are doing. It has to do with the, the intelligence and the learned behavior of the bear. And hmm. so um, we are making incremental progress on the psychological front, not the societal one, right? That's the one I was talking about where it's like, this is all of our land. We are one big society. But psychologically, we are starting to accept wildlife a lot more. There was a 2014 online survey that found that most respondents still support controlling predators to preserve livestock, but compared to 1995 they demonstrated a preference for non-lethal forms of animal control as opposed to lethal forms of animal control. So in 1995, people were like, yeah. oh yeah, you gotta keep predators away from our livestock and our food and our crops. And they were like, you just fucking shoot them or you poison them. And now mm -hmm. we're like, no, 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 there has to be a way to keep them out. There ha we have to be sure that we're doing it in such a way that we return them to the, to the wildlife. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Things like that. Yeah, I remember the 90s, you know, wearing flannels, listening to Nirvana, Shooting murdering bears. predators. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, my, there's nothing my boys and I, we would wait for this one Pearl Jam song to come on the radio and it would come on <laughs> once an hour. And when it came on, we would drive, we would drive out to the field and just murder some fucking bears. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, in Jeremy fellowship. spoke in class today, Bear. Bear. Eat that you know what shit. he said? He said, this picnic basket is mine, Bear. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, there are things that we have to do to make our our lives and our uh our neighborhoods our road systems all of this stuff we have to we have to come to the conclusion that yo these animals are supposed to be here and we're gonna have to figure out how to like we're gonna have to start building overpasses or underpasses for major roads that aren't for people they're for animals they're in the middle of nowhere there should be a place for a bear or a deer to cross a road that isn't the road huh there needs to be a way to like a lot of uh, a lot of counties will have if you hit an animal on the road they have like a place on the side of the road where you're supposed to put the roadkill it's like a pit it's very common really? in Canada yeah um and they're like Jesus. hey those pits attract animals to the road oh yeah and it's like uh <laughs> it's like a luau for a for oh, an animal please you hit a you hit a raccoon or a pussum and yeah. you put it in a you put it in a little pit and like that's roasting there all day. You're welcome. You're that's welcome, bear. Fucking aloha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's right. Fucking exactly. mahalo. Uh, <laughs> so we have to figure out how to do that. And the study uh, suggests that to maintain current population levels, uh, one to two percent of bears need to immigrate from wilderness areas into areas where they're living with humans. Our conservation efforts have gotten as far as they can go through protection in parks and natural areas the only step left to keeping these species of animals alive is to literally let a bear into your yard i don't i want to <laughs> at the risk of coming off you know i don't know anti-bear i don't yeah. i don't want to listen i want to preserve life on this planet i want to sure. look out for endangered species for sure but this feels like a pretty extreme plan to just welcome the predators in, in, for 14 years 14 years we're gonna it's gonna be rough but after 14 years of each of these animals in our midst we're gonna it's all gonna work out well 14 years for the current generation of animals when they have a new generation of animals it's gonna take Another that 14 generation. years yeah i mean they may get that learning period may get shorter with time as you know, we become less lethal to them, but it's still it's still a, an ongoing thing. So we're going to have some sort of utopia where bears and humans are living hand I like in to hand? call it a zootopia, Jeff. <laughs> and I came up with that name myself. It's a good name. I'm a it's producer a on Zootopia name. as well as The Floor is Lavia. And uh, I want you to Do know... You wanna- you want to live in this bear future? You want to live? You want to have every every human alongside a a bear? You want it to be some sort of Flintstonian, like as the Flintstones were to dinosaurs? We, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, look. Here's what I will say. I will say that I've been. You know, Silver Lake has a, a problem with like skunks. I have some friends hmm. that live in Silver Lake, and they have like they have like traps, or they'll like try to like. They'll like attack yeah. the skunk to get it to go away. And I'm just like, that skunk has nowhere to go. You're shooing it into another yard and you're shooing that into another yard. Or like, I know that when I see a coyote or a wolf uh, in my neighborhood, it's because 
things are so fucked in the park, like because of uh, because of like a heat wave or a drought or something that that animal is forced to come. That animal doesn't want to be out at a time where I can see it. Right. That animal doesn't want to be in my neighborhood where I can see it in daylight. Like it's that level of knowledge that we all have to have. And we all have to understand we're like, if there's a coyote walking down the road. You let the coyote walk down the road. You don't fuck with the coyote. If the bear is right. in your yard, you got to let the bear be in your yard, dude. It doesn't want to be in your yard, but where are you going to shoot it to the next yard? What are you going to do with it? Call animal control to fucking hurt this bear. Can I animal tell you control something can't that- do anything with that bear? Can I tell you something that happened to me last night? And I'm not making this up. Bear stole your wallet? Bear stole my picnic basket. And all I wanted Whoa. was a picnic. Yeah. No, I, uh, I was up a little later than my wife. And she had gone to bed already. Kids are already in bed. House is dark and quiet. And I get a little, uh, little rumbly in my tumbly, right? I do want a little mm-hmm. picnic basket. I need a little late night mm, sugar. Let's be honest. It was sugar that I was looking for. Sure. So I go walking out uh, from my office where I was kind of doing some work into the dark of the living room, pop on the old lights. What do I see? A mouse, a mouse in my living room. Mm -hmm. Lights come on. Mouse scurries up right across my feet into the kitchen underneath the oven where evidently we discovered there is a gap between the oven underneath the oven and the floor of uh, uh, foundation of my house. Is this left over from when your floor was literally sinking into the earth? My floor is still sinking into the earth and I don't want to get into it. Okay. It's a fucking nightmare. All right. But yes, there's a gap that there shouldn't be. And evidently a mouse lives under my house house on mouse. <laughs> Okay. So I live in a fucking Dr. Seuss story. How does that make you feel? Ha- it felt, made me feel pretty uh, uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And the dilemma was, or is currently, do we get some sort of mouse trap? There are the non-lethal mouse traps, but then you have a mouse in a trap. And what do you fucking do with that? What do you do with that? <laughs> I'll put a pin in that because I've got a story about it. But go on. Oh, I know. You've told me that one about walking it through the snow, right? You told me that one. <laughs> Forgot okay. about that. All right. Yeah. So you're saying, do we go lethal or non-lethal? And what does that well, mean? Well, I'm saying like, it's, it's, it seems exactly what you're talking about is, is this mouse? I mean, we're talking about a bear, which is an endangered species and a rodent. And do you go with a non-lethal bear trap or do you go with a lethal bear well, trap? Well, what do you do? Like the mouse, does the mouse have a right to fucking live under my house? Like, uh. what, you know? Here's 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 the way I think about it. Um, So we did have mice in one of my apartments in New York, and I did get the non-lethal traps. And you put a little peanut butter, and the peanut butter's on a little pressure place and like pressure plate, and like a little mouse Indiana Jones goes in there and (laughs) tries to snatch the treasure. But oops, pressure plate weight didn't match, and then it's in there, and it's a little frightened, and it's like this trap is made of stainless steel, and it's pooping and it's peeing because it's a mouse, and like, but it's not much, but it's there, and you can tell it's there. It's on the bottom of the stainless steel. And uh, my thing was, my two roommates at the time were like, "Dude, let's just call the landlord, and we'll have we'll have him put the poison down." And I was like, "No, no, 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 we're not going to poison mice. We're not going to make their hearts fail. We're not going to do that. They're just mice." I bought two of these traps, and every morning. I would take these two traps that were inevitably had a mouse in them and I would walk them in the fucking winter because this was December. 
in the fucking winter in new york i'd walk them as i was walking to work uh, at this restaurant where i was waiting tables and i would let the mice out at this tiny little park and everybody everybody who was waiting to get into that restaurant saw the waiter who was going to be serving them food <laughs> let mice out in the alleyway behind the restaurant it's a ratatouille situation we've all seen the film we know it works uh no so i would let him out on this park on the way to work and i would come home after work i reset the traps put peanut butter in them next day two mice i was like wow we got a lot of mice this is crazy <laughs> it's the same two mice just us. coming back every day for more peanut butter <laughs> jeff it was <laughs> jeff i looked it up jeff this park was a half a mile away. Can I tell you something about mice? They can find their home from a mile and a half to two miles away. They You're can just giving them more work it. to get food. They're like, ah, oh, Christ, just, this guy. It might not have just been two mice. It might have been four mice, six mice, whatever. But it was certainly the same mice on rotation. That is not up for debate. And what uh. I found, the other thing that I found is that if you take a house mouse, a mouse that was raised in a house, a house on mouse, mm-hmm. and you take it to a park and you let it go, guess what, Jeff? They can't survive. They don't have the instincts. They grew up in a wall in a house with no natural <laughs> predators and an endless supply of food. If you drop a mouse in a park, it dies immediately. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because it gets on the merry-go-round and... Uh... You know, the, the also, it was, also it was the winter so they were freezing as i let them out <laughs> if they hadn't made it back home they would have died so i guess what i'm saying to you is in some situations and here's the situation mice breed so quickly mice yeah. breed so quickly you can do the humane thing and i recommend trying it if you have the patience to fill the traps and drive them away somewhere I think you should. I was. Where do I drive them to? Even two miles away somewhere. I don't know. Somebody else's and house. Come back the next day, and I have to keep doing this, and I have to. Not if you take them get- two miles, Jeff. I was walking. Two miles would have been forever. I kept going a half mile away. You got to take uh. them all the way. It was maybe even a quarter mile, but um, you could you could do that. You could get the all natural traps, set up five or six of them in your house, and get rid of a bunch of these ma- mice in one fell swoop. Um, you'll probably still always have a couple mice that live in your house. But you'll never know. Yeah. And the difference between these mice and these bears is like, we will murder these bears out of existence. <laughs> mice, I don't think we're going to murder out of existence. It's nearly impossible. You're going to kill those mice, aren't you? I, I, I might have to kill the mice, You're man. You're going to kill the mice, And that dude. kind of, and it feels like I got to be consistent if my position on mice is kill the mice. My com- position on bear is... Not kill the bear. I don't want to kill the bear. Well, Jeff, if you go not... far enough up the food chain in the animal kingdom, you get to people. So you don't really want to take your <laughs> you don't want to take your analogy too far, Jeff. <laughs> right. So right, you do right. want I'm to decide saying, where you stop. I'm just saying. Well, okay. If we're gonna take your premise where we go all the way up the food chain to people, are you gonna let the person walk into your backyard and use your backyard as a toilet? I'm not saying kill the person. I'm saying I no, don't I know about this a, whole. I would like, like bang a pot and pan, probably, and I'd be like, "Hey, hey, <laughs> hey!" For bear or for person or both? Yes, <laughs> yes, for person. For bear, just, I'd probably uh, if, if there was a bear in my yard, I'd probably take pictures of it and think it was fucking dope, 
And then, but well, I don't yeah, know. The first time, the first time. What yes. if you saw a bear in your yard and you were just, in, and you and the kids were inside? I would think it was dope too. The first time, but then every time after that, it's like, is the bear going to be here? Do I have to worry about letting the kids go outside to play because the bear's outside? It's not 14 years old, that bear. I guess the moral of the story is only hang out with old bears. <laughs> only hang out with old bears. But I think, no, but I think the other thing that, that the bears find and the reason they stay alive is that your, your yard and your neighborhood is not the best place for them to be. Maybe there's like a little clearing of trees that's like by your neighborhood and that's really where they want to be. And they're just like, they're sniffing around and they're checking things out. That bear is probably not going to return to your yard over and over again. I just think if the if the whole reason you brought up this story why is do that you we hate all, animals is what I want to ask. I just want them to die. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, if I don't understand uh, the position of this story, seems to be let the bear build little bear bridges and crossways and overpasses and give them a little allow hats. the bear to yeah allow like the bear to hang town. out in your backyard. It should look like Richard Scarry's Busy Town when we're all done with it. I guess isn't that lovely? I don't, I don't, don't know you if like I'm busy on the stage. I don't think I can get be down with this position. And I'm worried people are going to think I'm anti-animal. I'm not. I just I don't know if I'm people, ready to. I, th- I think more people are going to agree with you than you think. I think that's why it's an issue, right? It's like, dude, it if a bear. It feels a little extreme to just be like, be okay. Be okay with this, with the predator in your space feels a little extreme. Yeah. Well, what if I told you you came home to four dogs playing poker? <laughs> no, I'm into it. Is there an extra seat at the table? <laughs> yeah, man, Andy, Andy in, as long as you can chips? afford it. <laughs> as long as you can afford this dog poker. Uh yeah, I mean, let us know what you think. Let us know uh, uh, on on the Discord or on Twitter or on Facebook. Hey, can I tell you something about the Facebook? Can I come out it's and terrible. say this? Yeah. I'm going to come out and say it this week. This is the week I'm going to say it. Okay. Hey, everybody on the Facebook we love you. We love you so we much. Love you. It's a thriving and beautiful community. Get the fuck off Facebook. Yeah. It's a, it, I'm conflicted because we get a lot of wonderful stories submitted there. It's a great way to find stories for the show. It's great for the community to connect and talk. But my goodness, my goodness, our poor world. Reddit, you know? Reddit is a little better. I know Reddit's got its own problems, but maybe join the subreddit. Um Listen, I know it sounds like old old Anthony Bezos recommending the paid the paid version, but like the Discord really is lovely and there's no advertising and as far as we know they're not evil and if you support the show for a buck a month or more over at patreon.com slash we have concerns, it's a great place to hang out. I'm never going to fault you all for being a community on Facebook. You're wonderful, beautiful people and we love you. You're great concerned citizens. Facebook is so evil though. It really is. It really is. I only go to Facebook. uh, Literally, I only go to the We Have Concerns group on Facebook. I don't do anything else there. Whose birthday is it? We Have Concerns group. That's it. I don't look at a single thing. And I don't even participate. I, I, I want you to know I see the Facebook group. I love it. There's so much funny stuff going on in there. I don't participate because of because I fucking hate Facebook. If you can just get off, get off, get off the Facebook. But we love you. This is a bad close. This is a bad close, Jeff, but I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do the Facebook thing anymore. I know. I feel you. I Uh, feel you. But, you know, like you would rather you would rather people live with bears than be on Facebook. Yes. Wouldn't you? (laughs) It's less dangerous. If I'm having a if I'm having coffee in the morning and I see a bear, that's dope. That's a magical event. 
Facebook is fucking destroying everything. Yeah. So anyway, this if you is have not a, a coffee good... in the if you have a coffee in the morning and you see a, a, a white nationalist post on Facebook, which one's the better morning? That's which all one? we're saying. Uh, anyway, there are other ways to hang out. Like we said, there's a Reddit. Uh, fa- uh, we have concerns.reddit.com. There is the Discord, which you uh, which you get access to by joining the Patreon. Patreon.com/slash We Have Concerns. We're on Twitter. I'm at a Carboni. I'm at Jeff Canada. And you can also send stories to we have concerns show at gmail.com. I'm sorry about the terrible clothes, Jeff. No, no, it was fine. 